Blog Talk Radio. Our, our country is in chaos because we have leaders who are in chaos with themselves. We are in need of a people who are choosing to follow God instead of following man. You, you never see change happen until you begin to make change happen. And unfortunately, that hasn't been done in the church or in the country. You're listening to Zira today. Humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge for you that is engaging and transforming. And it's our goal, it's our job, our whole purpose of being on the air is to empower you, the listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you are welcome to join us on this eliminating journey. Uh, you can call in, 917-388-4293. Uh, we have a live chat room going on on Blog Talk Radio. Get in on the chat room. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Prophesy. You can follow us on Facebook. And uh, send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. I think I, I cover just about everything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy doing this stuff, but sometimes you always forget, you know, try to get everywhere. But look, we're so glad that you're joining us this afternoon. Uh, I'm excited about today. I, you know, I've had a good weekend, and I'm so excited. I, I had a busy weekend to begin with, but uh, I'm thankful it, it's it's over. And um glad to be on the air today. Glad to have you listening in and joining us. And I, I uh, man, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I I appreciate you all who are listening. Those of you who are giving us good feedback, you always share. Uh, I even had people critique me and tell me how to do a little better, and I love that. That makes me better. So hey, I'm thankful that you're listening. We're glad that you're joining in, and uh, continue to do so. But uh, I, I I tell you, I'm excited about the show. We have a wonderful show lined up for you today. First hour, we're going to be talking to author and keynote speaker uh, Gary Gray. Uh, he is the author of a book called Dads from the Distance, Dads from a Distance. And um, he's going to be here sharing with us a little bit different book. Uh, I tell you, you're going to love that segment. Uh, he's also uh, president of Renaissance Unlimited. And those of you who are looking to expand your businesses or whatever it may be, I'm sure he'll be able to help us out with that also. And in the second hour, in the second hour, we have a, a wonderful guest, uh, seven-time lottery grand prize winner Richard Lustig will be joining us in the uh, in the second hour. That's uh, beginning at seven o'clock Central Stand uh, Central Time. He'll be joining with us, and he will be sharing some tips. He's you know sharing some tips on how uh, to increase your chances of winning the lottery. So, I, I, again, like I say, it's a great show lined up. I'm excited about it. I hope that you're excited about it, and we want to get you in. Uh, again, you can get on here live by calling 917-388-4293 in the chat room, however you want to get in. Get in where you fit in because this is going to be one great show. As always, I like to start off with prayer and and um, 
after prayer, we're going to uh, some news. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we say thank you. We honor you. We bless you. For you are good and great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for another opportunity to be on the broadcast today. Pray, God, that you will bless and prosper the broadcast, those who are listening and those who are participating, that everything will be done to your glory. And all our conversation will be seasoned with salt that will may glorify you. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's get into some some headlines here. Um, I know everybody's following the the stuff with Japan and and Libya, and that's all good and fine. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm absolutely convinced that the American uh, media, the the media popular, excuse me, uh, you know, big name media, all of them. You can name them. It doesn't matter from Fox to ABC, NBC, whatever, MSNB, MSNBC, I am, I am convinced, at CNN, I am convinced after uh, watching the news the past week that they are nothing more than fear mongers, <laughs> propagators of fear mongering. Uh, what do you mean by that? What do, what do I mean by that? Well, first, let, let, let's go back to the, the, the tsunami in Japan incident. Of course, it's a very sad occasion. We're not knocking that. We're not discounting uh, the events that happened That, But, um, man, uh, the, the reactions from uh, the, the nuclear plant, the explosions all and all that, I mean, the way the media covered it, it made it out to be – they made it out to be a, a, almost a, 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 a dynamic scare. I, I mean, you had people – Fearing that a nuclear cloud was going to come across the Pacific into the West Coast, <laughs> and you had people buying all this uh, radiation. Uh, well, I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> you know, people going to buy Geiger counters and uh, radiation measure meters or whatever they call it. I, I mean, it got outrageous. People were afraid that this cloud, you know, that the radiation would come all the way across the Pacific to the states. And they kept pushing it, and they're still pushing it. And now, if you've watched lately, you know you've seen that okay, they have pretty much stabilized the uh, reactors. Not as bad as it seemed, uh, but they managed. I mean, because power came back and the generators generators kicked back in, so it it wasn't as bad as it seemed. So that, that's a good thing, you know. That's a good thing. That's good news coming from the aftermath of that tsunami. Now they're still reported. I think the official death toll is like up to eighteen thousand, give or take. I'm not sure, uh, uh, but it's quite a, a bit. And there's been some good stories. Yeah, they've been finding people in the midst of the rubble. Uh, one little son, one uh, boy was found um, with his grandmother uh, after nine so days, give or take. You know, uh, that's amazing. Uh, a lot of people who are here from the states. That were over there that had been uh, missing or unaccounted for are now accounted for and they're safe and all of those. So that's that's great news right there. And of course, um, there's a lot of aid going toward uh, to Japan. And again, I want to encourage you, those of you who can and will, uh, uh, send a donation through the American Red Cross. They're taking donations just about anywhere, Wikipedia, uh, even here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you can donate. Um, there's other places, you know, go donate and, and, and um, support them, help them because they're needed. And, and and it's just the right thing to do, you know. So 
I, I'm kind of amazed, though. You know, I hadn't seen a commercial with uh, President Bush or President Clinton uh, coming on the air soliciting aid for Japan. I, maybe I missed those commercials. If y'all, if y'all seen that, uh, send me a note in the chat room. Let me know, cause um, I'm not sure if if they've done that. I I know they did it. Uh, Clinton and and uh, uh, G W Bush they did a commercial together for um, relief and for uh, for uh, uh, the Haiti earthquake. Earth, well, I can't talk. Haiti earthquake support. But I, I don't think I've seen uh, seen that for from them. But maybe again, maybe I missed it. You know, I've had a long week and a long weekend, so I've only been catching bits and pieces of this. And, and now, the second thing is this whole Libya thing. This has got me confused, and, and let me let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it got me confused. First, you know, the rebels, or whatever you want to call them, I don't know what to call them. Because I'm not quite sure what what is what it is really, but you know, they had a little momentum. They were uh, they were protesting just like happened in Bahrain and, and, and Tunisia and in Egypt. And these folk got out in the streets. And, and I do know that Gaddafi kind of and his son said that they gonna protest. We are gonna put them down. And, and I'm, I'm not sure when and how, but that small little revolt has turned out and turned into, at least has been uh, promoted here in the States by the media as a war now, <laughs> as a civil war. Uh, I don't know if it's that bad. I I don't know. I've been wondering since all of these things happening happened at the beginning of this year, I've really been wondering why. I mean, who pushed the button to say start? You, you understand what I'm saying? Who pushed the button to tell them to start to revolt all of a sudden? And how has it moved so quickly Especially in Northern Africa. How has it moved so quickly in Northern Africa and places like Yemen and places like Tunisia and places like Libya where uh, it's been quiet for so long? You know, we've been tolerating them. We've been tolerating Gaddafi and his oppressive regime. And we've been tolerating uh, – and I'm still – you know, I, I still don't get Egypt because, it, you know, in Mubarak is supposed to be, was supposedly – uh, one of our strongest allies there in the Middle East, and now he's out. And, and uh, I'll put it this way, you know, we cannot expect to see exactly what the results of all of this is going to be for a while. So I don't think, uh, you know, they're talking about democracy, establishing and all that stuff. Now, I don't, that's not going to happen realistically. Let's be honest, that's not going to happen, not anytime soon. I mean, that's just something you have to, we have to really be aware of. It's not going to happen. Uh, these are uh, Muslim areas, and not not Muslim people. Those regimes have they all were military, you know, and that's what we see in Egypt. That's what replaced uh, Mubarak. So we won't see the effects of all of this for a while. But that's just me. Uh, I I just think it is amazing, and uh, you know, for example, they started. Uh, how quickly they they put into place the no fly zone over Libya, but all of a sudden now uh, people are shooting down uh, these planes somehow. Uh, and, and you know what's funny? This is really funny to me. France, 
France is taking the lead on this. <laughs> that is amazing to me. Y'all know, y'all just, hey, you remember what the French did <laughs> when we went after Saddam Hussein in Iraq in, uh, in 2003 and in Afghanistan, how they protested. And y'all know they were, ban- they were trying to ban French fries here over in the States, those foolish people. <laughs> but, hey, I-, I just thought that was funny that the French are taking the lead on this. And everybody's asking the question, where is Obama's leadership in this? He's he's uh he, he's really not uh he's not saying where he stands when it comes to uh, the issue in Libya. And and uh you know, you got the of course those on Fox and other conservative venues talking about his uh weakness, uh his lack of leadership. Um and then you have those on the other end talking about uh his uh Tactics, his uh, cautious cautiousness, or whatever you want to call it. Nonetheless, uh, I, I'm going to be a, just going to be able to say, you know, uh, I, here's the difference between Obama and George W. Bush. Obama has not stated explicitly explicitly uh, whether he is uh, really supporting any efforts from the military or the world to uh, uh, either get Gaddafi out of power or to stabilize Libya in some way. He hasn't really directly expressed that. Now he's made he's made the, before y'all jump on my back. He has made comments and he has made uh, you know he's gone before the press and before the people and the public to and, you know let them know let them know where we will be doing. But he hasn't explicitly stated his. Uh, view. If I'm wrong about that, y'all show me, and I, you know, I'll, I'll be glad, much, much glad to uh, to uh, re, uh, recant that. But um, but that's just me. I'm not knocking President uh, Obama. I'm just saying um, he's providing those who are his adversaries. You know, those who are out to get him, not just critics, but those who are out to literally get rid of him. He's providing them with. Uh, unnecessary ammunition to attack him, but that's just my two cents. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna move on to another subject, and and this one is <laughs> okay. Let let me get this. I'm trying not to laugh as I do this one. I'll, I'll uh, I, okay. Uh, I was watching the news during the week, and uh, this pastor out of Houston, Texas, <laughs> refused to provide. Uh, Refused to serve communion to his members of his congregation. His reason? They did not tithe or give their federal refunds to the church. <laughs> All right, Pastor John Goodman. He's the pastor of Unity Baptist Church in Houston. And he said he refused communion. It wasn't because his members didn't donate the tax re- refunds to the church. It's because they failed. He says they failed to step up and do what's needed to keep the church fl- church afloat. And uh, when he was asked if there were any member, any other members, yeah, uh, they got back or anything. He's like, nobody, you know, nobody really sharing. Of course, none of his members are are talking. And he went on Fox 26 out of Houston and shared this. And listen, this is the funny thing. If when they then when they asked him he said if he would um if he would if he did withhold it he said he did absolutely he said it he did it and he said it wasn't because of the tax refund he said it's really because of internal issues 
uh, that he and you know he didn't want to talk about. And he 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 justified. He said that only about four or five of his members actually help support the church, and he called the rest of them devils and demons. <laughs> oh my God, devils and demons. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is funny. I pastor a small church, and uh, I know there are uh, uh, there are thousands of small churches in his same, in very similar situations as him. My church, I could tell you. I, I mean, I can count on the number of, uh, of both hands and, and maybe one foot uh, the number of full support that I have, and you know, and probably less than that. You know, he talking about four or five. I'm, I am very sure in my own church there. That's about the same number who are consistently supporting the work of the church, the ministry. And you know, we're trying to build a new building. <laughs> the building we in is a hundred and eight, a hundred and nine years old. The church uh, is a hundred and forty. It'll be a hundred and forty six years old this year. And you know, hey, it's been going on for a hundred and forty six years. With a handful of people, <laughs> and you know, I've learned. I've been in pastoral ministry long enough now to learn that you can't count on everybody. And you, you know, thank God I'm Methodist. I get appointed to churches. I don't have to, you know, seek out to be elected. <laughs> but uh, I'm quite sure, unless he started this church himself, I'm quite sure I can be there. And uh, I think the little parking lot that was trying to be. It won't get done unless God provides a miracle. But hey, that's just me. That's just me calling, talking. I, uh, I'm trying to help the brother out. You know, I, you know, you never, never. One of the things I learned from my mentors, my pastor mentors, you never two things. One, two things. You never talk about uh, your members or a problem in the church from the pulpit. Yeah, never do that. Yeah, never, never, never do it because it doesn't do anything but uh, counter any positive activities or projects or ministries that you are trying to come up with. So you never do that. The second thing is you never talk about the church, its business, or its people to the media unless it's a tragedy. Uh, for example, you know, the church burns down. Then, yeah, you talk to the media. You talk about, you know, the history and the people and all that stuff. But you don't want to air your dirty laundry to a national media. That's just ridiculous. But hey, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I understand. I, I understand the frustrations. But man, don't do that. You're embarrassing us. Hey, but hey, that's just me. If you got something to say about that, join the chat room. Send it up in the chat room. Let us know. Um, get in on that. <laughs> it's just hilarious to me. Um, uh, and um, uh, share it. Send me an email. Whatever you want to do. I, I want to hear what you think about that. You know, we'll be talking. You, can, you know, we'll try to have a little more time to talk about that. But, hey, that's the way it is. Um, like I said, we got a great show, a very good show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to take a break. And um, when we come back from the break, we will have uh, Mr. Gary Gray, president of Renaissance Unlimited, and he will be talking – We'll be talking that from a distance. I know you're going to love this. So uh, don't turn this dial. Don't turn off. Don't tune us out. Uh, we want you to stay tuned and listen to the because we do have a great one planned for you. We'll be right back after this.
Hey folks, if you're like me, you got a lot of stuff on your computer. I'm always writing papers, and saving them is important to me. But about a month ago, my computer crashed on me, and I almost started to panic, but I didn't. I had everything backed up on the jump, but I also had Carbonite online. Since 2006, Carbonite has backed up over 80 billion files. 80 billion files. So that means you don't have to shuffle through your stacks of CDs or jump drives or whatever else. Carbonite Online uses the same encryption software that's used in online banking transaction and e-commerce. So you can be assured that your files are safe. As a matter of fact, it's so safe, it's kept in a storage. And if you lose it, you can get it right back because they, they provide fast, simple, and easy file recovery straight back to your computer right where it was. And you can do it in a few simple steps. You can try Carbonite online for free for the next 15 days by visiting their website, www.carbonite.com. I'm telling you, I use it, I love it, and I'm sure you're going to love it too. Give them a try. Carbonite.com, an easy way to back up all your important files that you want to keep safe. Bishop Samuel Green, Supervisor Phyllis N. Green, and the 12th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church invite you to join them at Holy Convocation and Pastors Conference 2011, April 6th through the 9th at the Doubletree Hotel in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. This year's theme is Walking in Your Spiritual Authority. Get ready for exciting and excellent preaching, teaching, and singing from some of the premier preachers and workshop presenters and psalmists in the kingdom. Guest preachers include Reverend Dr. Floyd Flake, Bishop Adam J. Richardson, Pastor Jamal H. Bryant, Bishop John R. Bryant, Reverend Jasper Williams, Jr., Dr. Jessica K. Ingram, and Dr. Walter P. Richardson. Best of music provided by Psalmist Lowell Pye and the 12th Episcopal District Mass Choir. Workshops include Walking in Your Spiritual Authority, Manifesting Your Spiritual Authority to Empower Your Church and Community, and Preaching with Spiritual Authority. And for the youth and young adults, the remix, hip-hop, spirituality, and the church. Something for clergy and lay to empower you to walk in your spiritual authority. You don't want to miss Holy Convocation at Pastors Conference 2011. Conference host Bishop Samuel L. Green and Supervisor Phyllis N. Green look to see your face in the place. Register today by calling 501-375-4310. Or visit www.12districtame.com to register online. Again, you don't want to miss Holy Convocation and Pastors Conference 2011. 
Hello and welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Having a little bit of trouble here. <laughs> oh boy, I love this. Welcome. Again, this is Zero Today. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Got love on the live, live radio. <laughs> live radio, live television, anything, nothing, everything. Oh. Anyway, we're going to be talking this afternoon. Are you the son of a Greg, 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 he is founder of, I'm getting too distracted, he's the founder of Renaissance Unlimited, and he's also the host, uh, the, he's also the author of Dads from a Distance, did I get it right? You did indeed. I think I got a little too excited doing the break. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm excited. I'm so glad that you uh uh joined us and uh today and I I I you know, I I I did this last minute. And I really really appreciate you when I say last minute. Um <laughs> uh, for uh uh taking my invitation and and coming on. I I, I tell you, I just want to thank you. So what I want to do, I want to take this time. I want you to uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, okay. uh, who you are, what you do, and then we're going to get into the book. Because uh, I'm, I tell you, I love the book. I, I read it again. Excuse me, I read it again, and it's it's something I think is phenomenal. So you go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, again, thanks a lot for having me on on the show. Uh, and uh, you know, sometimes things that happen at the last minute happen exactly the right way. So I'm uh, thrilled to join you. Uh, the uh, just a little bit about me. I and it's actually not going to be totally in sync with the book, but uh, it'll come together in a moment. I actually own a seminar and speaking firm, as you mentioned, called uh, Renaissance Unlimited, and uh, we do seminars and on leadership and communication and customer service and all that good stuff. And for years, I've had a lot of clients and uh, customers uh, encourage me to write a book. And uh, for those folks that are listening, if you've ever tried to write even a term paper, you have an idea about how difficult it is uh, to You don't have to book. remember. remember uh, I yeah. just finished my thesis. Okay. <laughs> it's one of my the best. hardest things I've ever done. But yeah. what was interesting is the book that – came out of my fingers had nothing to do with leadership or communications or customer service per se. It really had to do with my relationship uh, with specifically, in this case, with um, my youngest daughter, my daughter Danielle, uh, and uh, and our relationship over the years. Uh, the, the book, Dad from a Distance, is titled that way because Danielle's mom and I divorced actually when she was six. She's 22 now. But it was uh, kind of a reflection, as I think we tend to do when we get a little older, to look back and see what we did well, what we didn't do so well, and maybe uh, possibly find a way to, to help somebody else benefit from the things that we've learned. So that's kind of the crux of where Dad from a Distance comes from, and uh, and it was uh, quite a journey. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, uh, now, you say it doesn't have anything to do <laughs> with with it but uh i i i know that uh relationships are very important and right. relationships contribute to actually how successful uh any business or 
uh, project will be. Would you agree with that? I would, and and in a way, I think it, as you say that one of the things that that um, the subtitle of the book, by the way, "Dad from a Distance," is how non-custodial fathers can still be fantastic dads. That's kind of the heart of what it's about, and uh, uh, in a way, the that message did kind of end up. I guess uh, linking to the experience with Danielle specifically because uh, at at the time uh, her mom and I divorced. I was traveling probably 35, 40 weeks a year. So it wasn't just literally not being under the same roof. It was in some cases being thousands of miles away. And so I think you're right. I think there are some connections. Some things uh, kind of are a common thread through what we do. But but this particular book uh, and this particular topic was, uh, I think, the one I probably, of all the things I know, probably the thing I know best um, uh, in terms of being able to write about it anyway. Uh, I should also say that um, that uh, Danielle is the youngest of uh, three girls that my wife and I have. We have three beautiful daughters. But Danielle is the one that uh, is the... the um, uh, I was going to say the, the 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 impetus for the writing of the book. Hello. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. I thought I lost you for a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go, I, I'm I'm right with you. Oh, okay. So she served as the impetus for the writing of the book, and, and I tell you, uh, these. Uh, for those who let me let me tell you the name of the book again is Dad from a Distance: How Non-Custodial Fathers Can Be Fantastic Dads, and uh, some of the tips that he presents in here are awesome. Uh, let, let's start off with here in the book. Uh, now, your daughter actually writes the introduction, right? Right. She wrote the foreword to the book, and the uh, yeah. And, uh, and and that was uh, that was a, a very uh, a lot of people who've actually read the book, uh, me included, tend to think that's one of the best parts of the entire book because I asked her to to uh, who would be better I guess uh, than her to be able to speak to what that whole experience was and how and how it's been at least especially for the last 15 years or so. So I told her to write the the forward and that whatever she whatever her heart told her to write would go in the book unedited from me and uh she did a fantastic job on it and i think the the most significant thing uh uh from the forward and she talks she covers a lot of territory one of the things that she says that i get a lot of feedback on is that she cannot remember a time ever when i wasn't present and uh and you know and as a dad you know that just puts a lump in your throat anyway but it it makes the point that being non-custodial is not an excuse not to be uh engaged and 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 being a part of your kid's life and that the book really is about all the different things you can do to kind of make sure that that is the case for you and your child or your you and your children for that matter yeah I, you know what i love this part in the forward she says whether it was all the daddy magic <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the healing powers, the magical healing powers. That he, I think that's just phenomenal. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the, that's just one of the things you know. Uh, and, uh, dads and well, kids and their parents in general, but uh, and, and dads and kids always have a little code language, and we always used to talk about daddy magic from when she was a little bitty kid, whether she skinned her knee or whatever. 
that uh, I could make her feel better. I'm, I'm not sure that it's something that you can patent, but uh, she thought it was real, and I felt like it was real too, so we'll go with it. <laughs> well, it's awesome. Now, I want to clarify uh, because you know when I started the segment off, I was playing this, this little song from back in the day. That's yeah. just my baby daddy. Uh, I want to clarify uh, the difference between being a non-custodial father and just a baby daddy. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, actually, there's, it, there's, you could put it in three levels if you wanted to be, because uh, okay. uh, the subtitle is, it specifically says how non-custodial fathers can still be fantastic dads, and the, it, uh, we'll put, uh, when I say non-custodial fathers, that doesn't just mean, you know, ex-husbands. Uh, not all non-custodial fathers were married to the the mother of the, of the child, but I think when you talk about non-custodial fathers, and you use that terminology, that that is very sterile to me. I mean, it's almost a, uh, almost a, a legal way to describe who you are. But being dad is, I think, something that has a little bit more of an emotional contact to it. You know, you can be a non-custodial father without having any interest in your child whatsoever, or any interest in the child's mother, or anything else for that matter. But, uh, to be called dad, that's something a little different. You have to earn that one, and that's what the book is all about, is the different things you can do to make sure that you can be a dad with a capital D. You know, and I can identify that uh, uh, my father was a non-custodial father. Uh, okay. Uh, matter of fact, my mother passed away um, when I was five. Uh, I was raised by her parents, and um, he didn't. he wasn't able to see me. Or quite a bit at all that much. Um, okay. But he made every effort to, you know, get me involved with his family. He, you know, he had gone on and married, and he had two other children, uh, three other children, three other sons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm the oldest. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> so I have the power. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dad, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> you're the original, huh? Okay. I'm, uh, what's amazing is that everybody says I look just like him, more like him than all the other brothers. So. Well, I'm sure that doesn't bother you at all to hear that either. Actually, not. It's some good looks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, one of the fondest memories that I have is my dad taking us uh, in a van all the way to Disney World. Okay. <laughs> I think it was like in 1984, 85. I might be wrong, but it, you know, I, hey, it's, it was a while ago. That's right. the only time. That's the only time that I went to Disney World. To enjoy it. The other time I went, it was more <laughs> business related. You know, I really wasn't enjoying myself per se. Right. But uh, I, I mean, it's just a fact. Now, mind you, it was myself, uh, all of my brothers, and his mother. His mother, uh, she was sickly, but he took her out of the uh, the home she went, and we, I mean, we drove from Monroe, Louisiana, all the way to Orlando, Florida. We got to, uh, and what I really love is he took us to a drive-through drive-in movie theater, and we watched um, The Last Dragon <laughs> with Bruce well, Leroy and all that. Well, you know, the, 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 what, you, what you're describing and, and what you're talking about and the, and, the, and, and the emotion that I can hear you describe it with really speaks to, I think, what the key point is, is that uh, those moments are very significant, and they are, they're not uh, fuzzy memories. I, I, I'm guessing for you, they're very clear. You remember a lot of the details about, you know, the time you spent together. And I think that's, uh, I think finding a way, as um, especially if you're a non-custodial dad, 
to be able to create those moments is not an impossible thing. It's not easy uh, necessarily, but it's not impossible. And I think uh, if you have made the commitment that that's what you're going to be, because I, I think that once you become a dad, I, I can't think of any job that's more important than that one, quite frankly. And it's uh, it, it kind of implores you. It calls for you to do some certain things. Now, in your case, uh, you were talking about a trip to uh, trip to Florida. One of the things that's interesting here in Georgia, I'm actually located in the metro Atlanta area. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, happens when you get a divorce, for example, in this county where I am, DeKalb County, is you actually have to go to a divorce class mm. uh, where you know people kind of teach you know you as a as a new ex-wife or ex-husband the kind of things you should be doing especially around your children and one of the things they tell you about is one thing that uh is really important to know but a lot it, a lot of fathers fall into this trap and I'm reminded of it because of Disney and this is going to sound weird but it's not intended to that in a lot of times the father will become Disney dad and now when they say Disney dad what they mean is uh in that setting is that the father kind of goes overboard to compensate for the time that they're not spending with their kids. So kids are getting bicycles and and toys and whether whether they're earned or not. I mean, it's just like Christmas every day. And one of the problems with that is that it's not sustainable because at some point in time, uh, you know, reality has to sink in and say, well, this is not the real world here. So the book dad from a distance talks about grand things like that you can do but more importantly it talks about little things uh that you can do little very small significant things uh that you can do to make sure that your child understands that you are engaged in and uh and involved in their lives in in a, in a significant way and i'm glad that you brought that out because the way the book is uh is written. I mean, it's a very simple thing. I like the fact that you you don't beat down uh, these fathers. Uh, you don't beat them down, but you uh, you give them things to think about, things to remember, right? Uh, 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 things to do. I like the section on things to do. Uh, yep. And one of the things you say, <laughs> number one, as a matter of fact, is pay your child support. Right. Why is that so important? Well, uh, other than it, not going to jail. Well, it, well, that's actually that's a pretty good reason uh, all by itself. But there's there's other reasons why that's important, and uh, and this is this is a thing that a lot of guys struggle with. Quite frankly, I think virtually every guy I've ever known that's had to pay child support has had some feeling at some point in time because uh, about it, it it's it you know they don't like it. Nobody likes writing that check, at least uh, initially anyway. But what happens when you don't pay your child support, in addition to putting yourself in some type of legal jeopardy, is that you also put yourself in credibility jeopardy as well. Uh, you didn't make this child by yourself, and if you're non-custodial, that means the child's mother probably is custodial, which means that you have to have some type of relationship with the child's mother that really is amenable to you being able to have a decent relationship with your child. If you don't pay your child support, however, uh, many women will – in fact, interestingly, uh, Pastor Neil, 80% of the people who bought the book are women, not men. Wow. Uh, they will tell you that, that is a, that's a big deal 
because you know you're supposed that the court told you you're supposed to do this. It's not your business what I do with this money. Guys think we should be you know mapping out what happens with the money and we should be getting receipts and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? That's not how the world works. It's your responsibility. So take care of your responsibility. But here's the other thing: it's not just your child's mother. Your child's mother has a circle as well. And yeah. your credibility exactly. goes down with all of those folks if you don't exactly. take care of your primary responsibility. It's hard for you to advocate and tell, you know, somebody that you're a great dad and they know you don't pay your child support. You can have the heart a heart of gold, but you're hurting your own credibility with people really that may be wanting to advocate for you but refuse to do so because you haven't uh, done the primary thing you're supposed to do in that role, which is to um, provide financial support for your child. So uh, it's a credibility thing as much as it is a legal thing. And what I've come to discover is most of my female friends that are single mothers, uh, they have not forced child support on their on uh, their father, their children's fathers. Right. Most of the time, they just you know they don't take them to court unless it's absolutely necessary in a. In a case of extreme neglect but most of the time they you know they're trying to be as patient and you know as cordial as possible when it comes to that well uh, here here's here's i just had a a conversation with a young man not too long ago about uh this very topic and uh his stance was and he's probably 24 25 years old his stance was i'm not paying her child support because i don't like the way she tries to disrespect me and I'm wow. thinking, okay, and this is not uncommon. Uh, I mean, people people use child support as kind of like a pawn on a chessboard very often. You know, yes, some men is. some men withhold it to punish the woman. Some some women will treat the children as if uh, child support is the rent you pay to see your child. There's a lot of people playing a lot of games with that money. But here's the deal. Uh, when you're in that setting, what I tell, and, it's, and I don't know, I don't know the child's mother. It may be that she does disrespect him, but in this role, uh, I, here's here's how I, he said. What his his question actually was this: What do I do when the child, when you know, my baby's mother puts roadblocks in front of me to my child? My response was, well, with regard to roadblocks, is to remember why you're on that road in the first place and what it is down that road that it is that you're seeking, which is relationship with your child. Uh, it's about taking the high road. That's what I encourage guys to do. And it's difficult to do that sometimes, but my response quite simply is to man up. Man up. You're part of this situation. You're part, however you got there, and, I, and you're right, I don't judge people how they got there because I'm not an expert in that. If I was, I wouldn't have the issues probably I've had at some point in time in my life. But if you're... A relationship with your child is the end game. Uh, for example, one of the things in the book, and you probably uh, made note of this, is that you should never speak negatively of your child's mother, especially yes, in your child's I, presence. I did notice that. Because you lose credibility when you do that. You lose credibility when you do that. And you also... With the child and the mother. Absolutely. And let's say that the child's mother is not fond of you, to put it lightly. And the child hears you saying things about their mother. By the way, the easiest way to get in a fight in school, I don't care where you are in the world, is to talk about somebody's mama. Talk about okay. somebody's mama. Right. So starting with that, right. But if if the mother is saying things about you in terms of you not being a good person and the child hears you belittling the mother, then really what you've done is validated what the mom has said. Exactly. 
kids are very smart. That's what I've learned over the years is that they can make pretty good sense of stuff. So if you take the high road, if you're respectful of the child's mother, especially in the child's presence, then you may actually be inoculating your your child from some of the negative messaging that's coming toward them about you because it doesn't add up. If I'm an ogre and a mean person, supposedly, but my child only sees me being kind and respectful, including uh, being respectful of the mother, then that doesn't add up. And so, uh, but this also kind of, is, I think it's really a point of just being a quality person, you know, yeah, exactly. be respectful. Uh, I want to bring up something here. Uh, in the book, you write two things that I really like, two points, uh, two things to do. Um, both of them deal with uh, teachable moments. You first you said, when a child does something worthy of praise, praise them and make it a teachable moment. And then the second one you say is, when you have to correct your child or offer a critique, make it a teachable moment and not just a reprimand. How important is that? Oh, it's hugely important. In fact, uh, uh, that piece of it, ironically, is one of the things I teach in some of my leadership seminars, even when I talk to managers and supervisors about you know, employees is making these moments teachable moments. When your child does something that's worthy of praise, uh, that's a good thing. And you want your child, given a, a similar situation, to make a similar decision. Uh, but if you don't make it a teachable moment, it's hard for the child potentially to be able to figure out, uh, yeah, I gave her a hug for it, and I gave her a kiss on the cheek, and I, and, and I said that was, that was wonderful. But she, unless she knows why it was wonderful or what impact this behavior had that was wonderful, um, then she's just waiting for me basically to praise her. But if she understands what it is that she did and what impact those things were that she had uh, when she had whatever the behavior was, then it makes sense to her that when I do this, it equals this. That is why this is good. Now I understand why Dad praised me for this because it, it's cause and effect. The same thing if there's something uh, that the child does it, uh, that where correction is necessary. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to tell people, you know, how to discipline their children. I, I'm sure that folks listening on this uh, broadcast have had everything, uh, the full range from timeout to a switch <laughs> yeah, in the you, backyard. Okay. I don't want to get into that. You right, <laughs> right. No, that's a different conversation. But what we do want to make sure our ch children know is if they do something that we know is improper, we need them to know why it's improper and what it caused in terms of the the behavior. That's what I mean by teachable teachable moment. And that's conversation, which is communication, which is one of the most powerful things you can do, especially as a non-custodial father, is to have quality conversation with your child. Sometimes uh, non-custodial fathers, uh, this one included at points in time, by the way, are hesitant to address things that we don't think are proper because, you know what, my time is limited. I only get my child every other weekend. I only have her for two days. I don't want to say something that's going to mess up the whole weekend and she's not going to like me for the next month and yada, yada, yada. Well, you know what, you're a parent. Man up. You're supposed to say the things you're supposed to say as a parent to make sure that your child has the appropriate guidance and the appropriate view and behaviors in life. And so, uh, and almost everyone that's gone that road, for those folks that are listening that are younger uh, to the broadcast, everyone that's gone that road, at some point in time, that child does circle back around and pulls you to the side and says, you know what, 
I am really glad you told me that. Uh, even though they might not have liked it then, but parenting is not always about your, you know, being your child's buddy. It's about being your child's parent. And making yes. those kind of moments, teachable moments, are critical to that. Exactly. There's a couple other things, uh, and then we're going to have to uh, wrap up because we get ready to go into our second hour. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and again, guys, if, if listeners, if you want to get on and you want you have some questions you want to ask uh, uh, Greg here, call in 917-388-4293. Uh, send it in the chat room. We do. You, know, you can get in the chat room and ask a question there, or uh, uh, send an email. However, you want to do it quickly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you have a question, he's going to be on here for a few more minutes and answer your question. But uh, there's a couple other things here in the book that you you make mention of. I like this. You say, I, you say, attend a place of worship together. Attend every graduation ceremony, and this is what I really love. Help your child shop for their mom for significant gig. Significant gift giving occasions, yes. like Mother's Day, birthday. Absolutely. Why is that important? How how will that uh, give a light on that? Well, how, <laughs> how is that a good thing? Yeah. Uh, well, I can tell you, for a lot of guys, it would be a difficult thing, but it's a yeah. good thing because your child wants to be able to celebrate their mother and the significant significant events in their mother's life, just like you want them to be able to celebrate those moments for you. And so, you know, your child does want to get something for their mom that their mom didn't take them out to get. They do want a surprise, you know, that they can wrap up in a little box. And I think the point I make is that, you know, we're not talking about diamonds and gold here, but we are talking about giving your child an opportunity to do something for their mom uh, because it's their mom and that's the right thing to do. And by the way, guys, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. It doesn't matter whether your mom does this, that the child's mom does the same thing for you. Stop playing chess with this. It doesn't really matter whether the mom goes and does the same thing. That's not the point. This is not a uh, quid pro quo kind of you know uh, tit for tat kind of thing. It's just the kind of thing that says to your child uh, that your child is important and that the relationships that are important to your child are also important to you. You know. Uh, Pastor Neil, one of the, the as good as it may get in some situations is for the mom to say, you know what, he was a lousy husband or he was a lousy boyfriend, but at least he's a good parent to his child. That may be yeah. as good as it gets, and you know what, that's okay. And uh, and I want to do a shameless plug here too because I know we don't have a lot of time left. But <laughs> hey, I was about to give you time to go. go absolutely, ahead. but I want people to know that we've just talked about you and I have just covered maybe you know half a dozen uh, ideas of the whole section that you and I talked about in uh, pre-show planning about you know dad from a distance meals and all these other kind of things. There's mm-hmm. literally dozens and dozens of ideas, most of which cost almost nothing to do, and they're and that- all available in the book. And the book, again, yeah, Dad from a Distance, uh, just go to greggray.com, G-R-E-G-G-R-A-Y.com, and there's a little red Greg store link there. Click on it, and we will. Uh, you buy it. Not only will we send you a copy, I'll send you an autograph copy as well. Uh, for those of you who are Kindle users, uh, you can actually download the book. It's available on Kindle now, too. So we want people, uh, and, and if it's not for you, buy it for somebody that you know. You know, there's someone because guys probably not going to buy this book because we don't we don't like to even ask directions when we're lost on the road. Okay, exactly. so help a guy out that you know 
that could probably be a little better at this role than maybe he is right now and, and gift it to him and gift it to a couple of them uh, because it's important. You know, all kids deserve a great dad, even if that dad is a dad at a distance. But for some of us, it's not that we don't want to be. And some, quite frankly, in some cases, we just don't know exactly how to be. This book is about how to be and things you can specifically do. And I'm going to second that because I have read this book twice already. And uh, he mentioned something, and I want you to touch on this, Greg, if you don't mind, the meals. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, man, Uh, I I loved that section of the book. And I really want to tell you – I want you to uh, tell us how did you come up with that section and why is it important? Well, I I have to give uh, 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 a shout-out to my wife on on that one. My wife is a a very intelligent, uh, beautiful lady, and she made a point. She said, you know, when you're talking about this, one of the things that all kids, especially when they're visiting their dads and their dads not custodial, all kids in that situation have the common joke of going to their dad's house and there's nothing in the refrigerator and you know and we you know we go to the grocery store on the way to his house after he picks us up you know that kind of thing and and for a lot of single dads we're not even certain that the that the appliances in our kitchen even work cuz we a lot of us haven't even ever turned on the stove and we're always doing takeout and you know and all uh, that kind of stuff too. yeah well, i'm sure it does <laughs> but you know some of the most quality moments that any of us remember from our childhood were moments in the kitchen somewhere and so what we've got in the book is ten simple, very easy-to-put-together recipes. Uh, and I'm not talking about pot roast and, you know, and, and, and all this other kind of stuff. I don't have – my skills don't run that deep. But we do tell you how to, how to put together, you know, a little, a little hot dog meal or put together some tacos and, you know, things that you and your child can put together in the kitchen together. Some of the funniest uh, – literally some of the funniest memories – uh, when my daughter was much younger, was her and I trying to figure out how to make stuff in the kitchen. Sometimes we just ended up throwing in the trash and going to the you know, <laughs> drop through anyway, but we did it together. And uh, we, uh, that's another opportunity to do something together with your child to make it a significant moment. And so there's eight different, uh, ten different recipes in there. Uh, uh, easy stuff to do, but again, quality time with your child. That's what it's uh, all about. Uh yeah, you you just gave me my uh meals for the next week or so. <laughs> well, I'm 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 pleased that I didn't expect that that was going to be part of it, but I I I hey, that one's on me. Okay, that one's on me. Enjoy. It. I I I can't afford Ruby Tuesday roof Chris anymore. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? You couldn't really afford it either, before now even with this economy. So, uh yeah, doing little things is important. Again, we're being joined by author uh, Greg Gray. He's also the president of Renaissance Unlimited, and he's the author of the book called Dads from a Distance. And tell him one more time where you can get that book and uh, uh, learn anything else. Go ahead, Greg. Tell Absolutely. Him. GregGray.com, G-R-E-G-G-R-A-Y.com. Just go to my website, and you'll see a little red store tab right at the top of the page. Click on it. And uh, you can do PayPal, credit card, whatever you want to do. And, again, when you buy it from the website, we will send you a signed copy of the book. And if you want it signed to someone in specific, there's even a way to let us know that as well. We do that all the time, and we're happy to. So greggray.com, Dad from a Distance, How Non-Custodial Fathers Can and Still Should Still Be Great Dads. And before we get off the air now, you're also a motivational uh, – What? You're, uh 
what what is it? It's Renaissance uh, Unlimited. Yeah, uh, yeah. I deal with business, and if I got, I have a lot of listeners who are, you know, they have their little side gig, side hustle. Uh, <laughs> shoot them just a little bit of advice. Well, <laughs> if, uh, if you don't mind. Well, here's what I would here's what I would say. Yeah, we do a lot of seminars on on uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show on customer service and leadership and all those all that great stuff. Um, I think uh, the the thing that drives a lot of what I think about relative to uh, training and and people call it motivational speaking, Pastor Neil. I don't. In fact, nowhere on the website will you ever see those two words back to back. But if people yeah, feel that way, I'm okay with it. Okay. But there's a, a quote where a gentleman once said that um, uh, those who learn will inherit the earth. Those who refuse to learn will be perfectly equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. So my seminars and my business and my whole thing is around giving people a new paradigm on way to serve each other, serve customers, uh, serve coworkers. And, you know, quite frankly, now that you mentioned it, to tie this back to something you said at the beginning of the show, I think in some cases, especially for those entrepreneurs out there, you know, if we treated our families half as well as we treated our customers in some cases, we'd probably have a lot happier families too. Sometimes we treat our customers better than we treat right. our families. Absolutely. And so, uh, there's a whole array of programs there. We travel all over the world doing them. Um, but the most important job, job one, is dad. So to Danielle, I know she's listening in, and, and to Simi and Alicia, our other two girls, and uh, and. Uh, you know, I love you all very much, and there isn't anything more important on this planet than to make sure that the, the people who say uh, look up to you uh, to be in that role for them to understand that they are loved and that they make a big difference in their life. So that's a shout-out to, to all the girls. I, I, I think I have a, a caller here. Uh, oh, great. Let, let me see uh, if they're calling to get some questions. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. This is Danielle Gray, uh, Gray oh. Gray's daughter. <laughs> this is, this, yeah, this is the kid who wrote the foreword. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Hello. Humbled. Hi, hi, honey. I I just wanted to uh, let everyone that was listening to. Uh, basically, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. I'm uh, in Jacksonville right now. I took a nap, uh, so I was a little late, but I have a little <laughs> homework to do. But I just want to say I love my dad so, so much. I'm such a daddy's girl. 22 years old, and uh, don't mind saying that that's my best friend. So um, yeah, for everyone that's that. listening, I, I think that's uh, whatever this guy says, I didn't hear all of it, but I'm sure it's right. <laughs> I don't think you heard it, but I just, I, I just asked, you're not spoiled, are you? <laughs> oh, no, of course not. This might yeah. help. This might help. <laughs> <laughs> this might help just, just a tad. I'll, yeah, I'll see you in Atlanta, Dad. Yeah, I write, I'm writing the check now, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hey, I should get some of that. Thanks, uh, baby. Uh, Danielle, I, I... I thank you for calling in on the show, and I, you know, your words in the forward were very, very great, uh, inspiring, yeah. and most. And I, I tell you, I, I love reading them, and I, 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 especially when you talked about the the magic powers. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but it was from the heart. So uh, everything, I actually wrote it in my apartment here in Jacksonville, and uh, it just flowed. So um, it was right from the heart. Well, again, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you for joining, and I appreciate uh, appreciate you, uh, Greg, for joining me. Thank you. We got to move on to our second hour. But, uh, again, anything you need to know about Greg uh, and uh, Renaissance Unlimited, go to his website, greggray.com. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back in the top of the hour. We will have Richard Lustig on the air with us, and he'll be sharing some winning lottery tickets. We'll be back right after this. Catching up on some reading. <laughs> Got some rule books, ethics manuals, and uh, a morality play or two just for good measure. That's a lot of reading. Yeah, and right on top I've got my trusty sword. <laughs> King James Version. Neatly packaged inside this leather bag. I like the handles. Oh, they're handy. <laughs> Do you want to see my bumper sticker collection? Sure. I uh, ran out of room on my car. Wow, uh, those are clever. Thanks. So what do you wear to display your Christianity? Uh, well, nothing, I guess. I don't know, I, I just try to follow Christ in the way I live my life. I don't feel like I have to wear my heart on my sleeve, as it were. Yeah, I have to wear my heart on my sleeve, as it were. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Cut it out. Cut it out. I'm a big dork. I'm a big dork. Oh. 
the Venture Car from Capital One. We get double miles on every purchase. So we earn the trip to New Orleans twice as fast. We get double miles every time we use our card. No matter what we're buying. I'll take it. Since double miles out of fast, we can bring the whole gang. Fire! It's hard to beat double miles. Have you seen cars? Get the Venture Card from Capital One. Money Magazine's best rewards card if you aim to rack up airline miles. What's in your wild... Hello and welcome back. Here are the day, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're in the second hour. And you guessed it. If you hear the music, you recognize it. We're going to be talking about money. <laughs> Boy, I love this. Yeah, this hour we're going to be joined by seven-time lottery game grand prize winner. Let me say it again. Seven-time lottery game grand prize winner Richard Lustig. Ah, yeah. Now, wait. Before you guys <laughs> get on me, uh, you're going to love it. I, I know you're going to love it because everybody wants some money. And everybody wants to learn how to make more money or to do better. <laughs> Let the OJ spin a little bit more, then we're gonna get into our segment for the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's. Yeah, I think that's enough. Welcome back. <laughs> I, I tell you, I love that song. Played it in high school, college, but hey, never get enough of it. We are joined uh, this hour by Richard Lustig. Now, let me preface this because I know I got some holy folk on the on the phone. <laughs> I already know most of you already uh, don't don't be trying to act too holy because I know most of you have have bought a lottery ticket at least once in your life. And yes, raffles count. <laughs> so if you bought on the raffle ticket, that counts. No, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, I just get over yourself. Um, I'm I'm really glad to have this guy on. Um, it's a rarity what he's accomplished, and I think he's gonna he's got a lot of information that's gonna help you for those of you who do play the lottery. It's gonna help you. Hello, Richard. Are you on with us? I'm on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. I really want to say thank you for joining us. Well, you're Coming welcome. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I know I got a lot of li- probably going. This is probably going to be uh, the most listened to part of the the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll maybe we'll get your ratings up. <laughs> Quite sure it's going to get my ratings up. Anytime you talk about money, uh, getting money, it's going to boost ratings. <laughs> Everybody loves money. And just in case you missed this show live, we are live on the air. You can always catch any broadcast uh, that's in archived on the uh, on the site Zero Out Today uh, on the Blog Talk Radio, or hit my site and you'll catch an archive show. But anyway, that's my selfless promotion there. <laughs> um, Richard Lustig is the seventh, and he, I made sure I wrote down right the seven-time lottery grand prize winner. Did I say it right? Close. Seven-time lottery game grand prize winner. I'm the only person 
as far as we've been able to find out, we've done some pretty extensive research. Uh, I'm the only person in any lottery system anywhere in the world that has ever won seven lottery game grand prizes. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but uh, I, I just want to know now. I know everybody has a particular reason for playing the, the, playing the lottery. Uh, can you share uh, your reasons, why you got started playing the, the lottery, and, oh, and we'll go from right. there? Yeah, oh, absolutely, sure. I mean, I started playing just like everybody else did, you know, 23 years ago when, when the Florida lottery, you know, when, when Florida started the lottery, I started playing for the same reasons everybody else did. Wow, if I could just win some big money and pay off my debts and help my family and blah, 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 blah. So I just started buying, you know, lottery tickets and really had no plan or, or no rhyme or reason to how I was doing it. And unfortunately, like most everybody, I lost 99% of the time. I mean, you know, I'd get excited when I'd win 5 or $10. And I, and I did this for a while, and I said, wait a minute. You know, there, there's got to be something that you can do to give yourself, you know, a better chance. I mean, this is crazy. I'm just basically throwing my money down the drain. So I sat down, and I started making myself some notes. Well, what if I did this, and what if I did that, and blah, blah, and... You know, some of the things that I came up with didn't work at all, so of course I threw those ideas right out the window. But some of the things that I came up with actually started to work. So I came up with more ideas, and then within a matter of a very short time, I started winning. Now, I didn't win any big grand prizes yet, but I started winning regularly. You know, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there, and I'm going like, okay, you know, at least I'm seeing some results here. I'm getting somewhere, you know. So... I did this for a while, again, keep working on more ideas, <clears throat> and then lo and behold, 18 years ago, it was two weeks after my son was born, I won my first lottery game grand prize. Now, I, I got to admit, and, and I got to say something here real quick, by the way. Do I call you Lorenzo, or do I call you Pastor? Hey, I answer to just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'll call you Lorenzo. I feel comfortable with that. So, Lorenzo, i got to admit, when I won the first one, I pretty much felt just like everybody else did. You know, wow, I'm a lucky guy. I won a grand prize. So I kept working again, and I had no idea I was creating a method at this point. I'm just trying to win like everybody else. So I kept coming up with some more ideas. Next thing I know, I win my second grand prize, my third grand prize. Well, by the time I won my fourth lottery game grand prize, that was when I realized, okay, I actually have something here. I have a method. This is working, obviously. I mean, I didn't know anybody that ever won one, myself personally, though I'd heard of people who had won, but I'd never heard of anybody winning four times. Nobody else pretty, you know, nobody else believed me. Everybody else said, you're just a really lucky guy. You know, you won four times. And I said, okay, fine, whatever. But Lorenzo, when, was, when, when I won number five, that's when, excuse me, that's when people started to say, wait a minute here. Nobody can win five times. Nobody can be that lucky. What's your secret? So when people would ask me that, I would tell them. I'd say, well, here's what I do, and here's what I don't do. Well, I started, I did that for a while, and then I said, wait a minute. You know, it's taken me a lot of years to get to this point. 
a lot of trial and error, a lot of things that I discovered were not good things to do and to work to find all the things that were good to do. So I said, why should I just give this information away? So I sat down and I kind of wrote down my method. came out to about a seven-page report. So I typed it all up, and now when people would ask me, you know, what's your secret? I'd say, well, I have it all typed up. It's in a seven-page report. If you'd like to know my method, it's $30. Wow. Now, to be honest with you, Lorenzo, <laughs> I really didn't expect anybody to buy this. You know, I figured nobody's going to pay me $30 for this. But yeah. I was I was shocked. People were, were whipping that $30 out of their pockets so fast. Yeah, I want a copy of it. I want a copy of it. I said, okay. Let me let me let me interrupt real quick. Sure. Uh, what was it like uh, after you won? You after you had that fifth win, and you realized that you had a method. What was it like for you? Well, it was. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, one of the questions that I hear interviewers ask lottery winners. Uh, you know, well, you won all this money. Is this going to change your life? And and the and I and I. I, my teeth grind every time I hear that person who won all that money say, oh, no, it's not going to change my life. I'm going to go back to work Monday. Oh, come on. Who are they kidding? Yeah. When you win <laughs> big money like that, of course it changes your life. So, yeah, I mean, what was it like? It was phenomenal. I mean, we were enjoying life like crazy for the first time in our life. You know, we were going on cruises and, and bought a fancy house, and I bought myself a Harley, and I drive a Jag. And, oh, yeah. I mean, of course it changed our lives. And, and uh, yeah, was it, what was it like? It was fantastic. Yeah, you, uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think uh, there's a false sense of reality for a lot of people who uh, who win the lottery. And, of course, I, I, I was watching not too long ago the Discovery Channel and the Learning Channel. They did this series uh, about uh, life after winning the lottery. And, you know, yeah, they, how the lottery changed my life. Yeah, how the lottery changed my life. You were right. on there, were you? <laughs> yes, I was. I thought so. I was trying to lead into that. <laughs> yeah, as a, fact, and, and as a matter of fact, about every month or so, they do a uh, How the Lottery Changed My Life marathon, and it just aired again yesterday. Uh, the episode that I was in aired again yesterday. Oh, okay. I, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, you developed this method. Yep. And what was it like? Was it, I, I think you touched on it, but I, I don't know if anybody really caught it. Uh, what was it like? A trial and error? You know, how yeah. Was it? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I obviously came up with things that didn't work, and like I said, those things I didn't repeat those things, and I kept just doing the things that did work, and kept coming up with more and more things that worked, which increased my chances of winning. But you know, so after I won number five, people were starting to believe. It wasn't until I won number six, that's when things started to get a little crazy. Now, prior to that, again, people would see me at the store, and they'd say, hey, I heard you won five times, and I heard you sell your method. I'd like to buy it. And I'd say, sure, it's $30. It was a seven-page report, whatever. But when I won number six, now people were, like I said, it got a little crazy. People, I'd go to the store in the morning to get my tickets, and there would be a line of people, not a line of people waiting to pay for their groceries at the cash register or whatever, there'd be a lot of people there waiting for me because they knew that that's the time of day I came in because they wanted to buy my method. Wow. Oh, yeah. So right about this time, my son says to me, Dad, you know, you're missing the boat here. And I says, what are you talking, Nick? And he says, you ought to write a book. And I said, Nick, come on. 
I can't write a book. I'm not an author. What are you, crazy? Well, he kept hounding me and hounding me and hounding me. So I sat down and I looked at the seven-page report that I had created and I go, well, you know, I didn't really explain this as well as I could have or in as much detail as I could have. And also, since I had originally came up with that seven-page report, I had added more things to the method, making it more effective. So I started writing this all down, and, and, and lo and behold, with not too much time later, I actually had like 25 pages. And I go like, wow, I can write a book. What? So I start shopping for a book deal. Meanwhile, people are buying my had been buying my 30-page, my, excuse me, my seven-page uh, uh, report for $30. So now what I did was I trashed the seven-page report, and now I printed up this 25-page manuscript, and I'm asking $40 for it, and people are buying it. So then people ask me, do you have a website? Well, I didn't have a website, so I put one up, winninglotterymethod.com. All of this is moving along. I'm trying to get a book deal. I finally get a book deal at Author House. We're getting the book all designed and get ready to go to press with it and get it published and everything. And then everything really went into outer space. I won number seven. Wow. Before, before the book even came out, in fact, the original book on the cover, it says written by six-time lottery game grand prize winner. And we ha- it hadn't gone to press yet, so we put an X through the word six and wrote seven above it because now it was seven time. And then, of course... Since then, which was when I won number seven, it was August 9th, 2010. I'll never forget the date because 8, 9, 10. And <laughs> yeah, that was like unbelievable. And ever since then, Lorenzo, things have been just absolutely insane. I've been on Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, The Learning Channel, as we discussed a minute ago. I've been on major radio um, uh, syndicated programs. I've been on Canadian television. I've been on German television. I was on the Today Show in Australia. I mean, it's just been uh, a, a wonderful experience, a wonderful ride. And my book is selling. Of course, now the book came out. Came, it's been published now, and it sells for forty dollars. And we, in the book, I get orders from all over the world every day. I mean, South Africa, the UK, Australia, Canada, I mean, you name it. In fact, as we just mentioned also a minute ago, the, the Learning Channel ran the episode again that I'm in yesterday, and I always, I'm not always aware that it's going to run, but I always know when it has, because sure enough, right after it, it airs, click, click, click on my, on my email address, I get book orders. Yeah, so, yeah I can fun. imagine. <laughs> oh, now, yeah. now, now, I don't want to play uh, I, well, I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate here. That's okay. Uh, now, now, Richard, you're making this claim. You're, you're, you're making this claim that this method works. It's worked mm-hmm. for you, obviously, because you've won seven times. But uh, how has it worked for others who have actually bought your book and used your method? Okay. First of all, uh, let me touch on the, on the claim of seven wins. You know, a lot of your listeners don't know me at all. So why should they believe some voice they're hearing on your show saying he's won seven times? Well, they shouldn't. They should go on the Florida Lottery website, which is flalottery.com. I have no control over that website. That is the official Florida State Lottery website. And if they're willing to go on that site and do a little research, they will find every single one of my seven grand prize wins registered on that website. Uh, A gentleman from the Orlando Sentinel 
a couple of months ago was going to interview me, and he didn't want to interview me unless he knew for sure that I was a, the real thing. And he went on the site, did the research, and he found every one of my seven lottery game grand prizes. So I have really have won that amount. Now, to address your question, I have had many people, and I, and I mean many people, too many to even keep track of anymore, who have contacted me and sent me emails. Richard, I can't believe it. I've never won more than 20 bucks or 50 bucks, and I've started following your method, and I just won $500, or I just won $700, or I just won $1,200. I have a young man, and by, and by the way, on my website, on my website, uh, there is a page called What People Are Saying Who Have Bought My Book, or something to that effect. And if they click on that page, there are testimonials from people. These are real testimonials from real people. These aren't things we just made up to sell books. And I have a gentleman. His name is J uh, Jason. He's in, he lives in Kansas City, Missouri. He followed my method and won $10,000. And again, that's, that his testimony was on my website. There's a young couple in Tampa, Florida, who followed my method and within three to four months hit a $2 million jackpot. And again, that's on my website. Awesome. Uh, another question I have. Um, I think a lot of people wonder this. Uh, uh, why is you may not be an expert, but maybe you can share. Why does it seem like you know most of the people who win the lottery uh, are poor or are struggling? You know, it, it comes. They win it right when they need the money, and then afterwards they lose the money. Well, there's two. <clears throat> there's probably many reasons. There's two major reasons that I see. First of all, unfortunately, people who did not have a lot of money and then win a large substantial amount in, the, in a lottery game do not know how to handle it. And they unfortunately go crazy with it. And they blow it all, you know, buying fancy houses, fancy cars, whatever, giving it away, do this, do that, whatever it is. They don't know how to – I don't care if you – if you've got a little money or a lot of money, you still need to learn how to spend it and how to save it and how to budget. And unfortunately, these people all of a sudden get this huge amount of money in their possession, and they have no idea how to, how to deal with it. And the other thing is what people don't realize is that when you win large amounts of money in the lottery, you have to pay taxes on those wins. Now, in most cases, I'm sure yeah. – I'm pretty sure from what I've been yeah. able to find out so far, most states are the same. If you win X amount of dollars, whatever that figure is, that they, they take taxes out of your money before they give you the balance. Well, in most cases, they take out like 28%. But depending on how much you win, it could put you in a higher tax bracket. You could be in a 30 35 maybe 40% tax bracket. Come April 15th. Guess what? You're going to owe that additional percentage that they didn't take out. Let's, if it puts you in a 40% tax bracket and they only took out 28%, you're still going to owe 12% of the original gross amount. If you won a million dollars, that's $120,000 you're still going to owe. Okay? So mm -hmm. people don't realize that. So I tell people all the time, when you win large amounts of money, Whatever they take out, take out an additional 10, 15% of, of the original amount and put it away. I don't put it in a savings account, buy it, put it in a money market account. I mean, I don't care if you stuff it in your mattress. 
But put it away. Make believe you didn't get it. You didn't have it before. You're not going to miss it. So make believe you didn't get it. And now come April 15th when you file your taxes, and if you have to pay additional taxes, you've got it there to pay. And that's what happens to a lot of people, too. Come April 15th, they file their taxes. Now they owe all this money, and they didn't. They spent it all, and now they end up going bankrupt. Ah, yeah, exactly. And they end up being on television. <laughs> and we hear that sob story. Or they go on Oprah. <laughs> well, you know, there are, yes, there are, there's... Good and bad and everything. There are stories of people who have won lots of money, and it was actually they were actually in worse condition financially than they were before they won the money because they didn't do the right things. And then there's people who have won a lot of money and have done some fantastic things with it, and their lives are set forever. Aye, exactly. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we are uh, joined by. Uh, Seven-time lottery game grand prize winner, Richard Lustig, and he's the author of the book, Learn How to Increase Your Chances of Winning the Lottery. And uh, uh, let me ask this question. Um, how can uh, – what can they use your method for? What what kind of games? What kind of uh, – how can they use it? Okay. There are two basic types of lottery games. There's your numbers games. Like in Florida, we have Fantasy Five, Mega Money, a Lotto, and Powerball, which is a multi-state lottery game. Uh, there's another multi-state game out there called Mega Millions. Uh-huh. And, I'm familiar with that you, one. So, pardon? Yeah, I'm familiar with both of those. Okay, there you go. So uh, every state has numbers games. And then there are also scratch ticket games. And my method covers both of those types of games. I, there is a way to increase your chances of winning in both those types of games. Okay. This is what we're going to do. Uh, I want to know if you would mind, don't mind sharing just a little bit. Don't give everything away because I want you, all my listeners, I want you to go and order the book. If you really, if you really want to know, <laughs> get the book. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but we're going to take a break. And I want to know, We'll come back from the break. Do you mind sharing it, uh, maybe a couple of tips for our listeners? Absolutely um, not. I don't mind at all. Okay. We are going to take this break, and when we come back, he's going to have some strategies for us. Be right back. Hey, radio fam, can you imagine a woman 
desperate enough for a child that she would deceive her own father-in-law into committing incest? How about imagining having husbands so wicked that even God kills them? Can you imagine a prominent family covering up secrets dangerous enough to destroy their wealth and legacy? If this sounds like something ripped from the headlines of the days rich and famous, it isn't. It's the story of Judah and Tamar found in Genesis 38. This biblical story shadows much of what's really happening in today's family. In his book, A Breach in the Family, Pastor Lorenzo Neal uses this biblical story to address many of the issues today's families face. He talks about how much family matters can be detrimental to becoming the kind of family God created. He talks about secrets of the breach that can lead to secret rules and behaviors that go on for generations. Despite it all, God does give a way to repair the breach in the family and leave a lasting legacy that cannot be erased. Order your copy today of A Breach in the Family by Pastor Lorenzo Neal on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and other retail outlets. And for a limited time, you can get your copy for a special discounted price by visiting www.zeropublishing.webs.com. Get your copy today and be blessed. When mucus settles into a child's chest, the congestion isn't much fun. This is going to be so cool. Junior! Huh? This is great! <laughs> like father, like son. New Mucinex Mini Melts. The quick melting, great tasting way to break up mucus that causes kids' congestion. Uh oh. <laughs> I was just getting started! Feeling better? Uh huh. New Mucinex Mini Melts. Need a painter? Mucinex and Mucinex. Hi. I'm looking to save an insurance. You don't want to deal with a lot of flibbity-flab or mumbo-jumbo. Sounds like you need to name your price. No gobbledygook. Never. Do I still get all the dag-nubbit coverage I need? Sure. We give you a quote, and you can adjust your price up and down to find something that works for you. This thing is okey mcsmoky skittle doo Great! I think? Diggity. Oh! Still not sure. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. Call or click today. All right, welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And listen, if you just joining us, you, the first hour of the show, don't feel bad. You can always catch uh, the archive shows by visiting uh, my page on Blog Talk Radio, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And you can also visit Lorenzo T. Neal, ltnealministries.com, and you can catch an archive show there. We are joined by seven-time... <clears throat> Excuse me. We're joined live by seven-time uh, lottery game grand prize winner Richard Lusky, author of Learn How to Increase Your Chances of Winning the Lottery. Uh, he's been sharing with us how he got started and all those yeah, – a whole lot of information. <laughs> and Again, if you miss it, you can always join us. Richard, you still with us, right? I am still with you. All right. We're glad. Now, before we break, I asked Richard if he didn't mind sharing uh, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, 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 some of his tips uh, to our listening audience. So, Richard, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to let you uh, share some uh, tips, strategies, however you want to do it, man. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the first thing we I want to – Actually, this isn't something I normally give out, but I'm going to give this out because of what we were talking about before the break, about how people don't sometimes know what to do with the money after they win and what happens to them afterwards. Um, most people 
here's here's a here's a tip. This is not how to increase your chances of winning, but this is how to benefit more from what you do win when you win. Uh, most people, when better. they when they check their tickets, whether it's a scratch ticket or a numbers game, it doesn't matter, and their ticket is a losing ticket, most people throw those tickets away. Well, it's a losing ticket. It's no good. Throw it away. Right. That is wrong. Your losing tickets also have value. If you save your losing tickets – and if you win enough money during a taxable year and they take taxes out of your winnings, you can write off your losing tickets against the taxes you paid on your winnings. <laughs> wow. Most people don't I, I know that. that. I had no idea about that. Yep. Now, you need an accountant because he's going to be able to tell you if you won enough money and if you had enough taxes taken out and if you have enough losing tickets. But if you do qualify under those three things, you will get back some or all or a major portion of the tax money they took out of your winnings. So keep your losing tickets. When it comes time to file your taxes, tell your accountant, here's how much I won, here's how much I got taken out in taxes, and here's how, many, how much I have in losing tickets. The worst thing he's going to say to you is, yep, you don't have enough, throw them away. And you start over again January 1. But you may have enough to qualify to use those losing tickets to write off against your winnings, your taxes that you paid on your winnings. Now, you can't write it off against other income, just the taxes that you paid on your winnings. And that's now let's what, talk – pardon? That, that, that works with any state, any lottery. Yes. That's, that has nothing to do with the states. That's the IRS. Ah, uh, okay. When you, pay, when you file your income taxes, you have to you – have when you file your income taxes, you have to claim – how much money you won. Um, the, the, the lottery offices will send you a 1099 at the end of the year, and they will show how much you won, how much was taken out, and what did you net. Now, again, that depends on how much you win, too. Sometimes if you win a small amount, they don't take taxes out, or you don't have to claim it. You can just redeem them at your local merchant. But a lot, most states, will, your local merchants will only pay you up to a certain amount. After that, you have to go to the lottery office to collect. So, yeah, that's... That's very important because most people throw away the losing tickets, and what they're doing is they're throwing away money. Hey, man, it is. <laughs> now let's let's give them something that they can actually use to help them increase their chances of winning, which again is what the method is all about. All right. As I mentioned a minute ago, there's two kinds of games. There's ball games and there's scratch ticket games. So we're going to talk about scratch ticket games. Okay. I see this every day, Lorenzo. People walk up to the counter to buy scratch tickets, and they say to the clerk, well, let me see here. Um, I'll take one of those. Uh, let me have three of those, and I'll take two of those over there. Lorenzo, you might as well put on a blindfold, take a loaded gun, and try to hit the target. It's not going to happen. You're talking to me because they just look so colorful. I just I pick by the color of the print or something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you're not alone. Some people pick by the color. Some people pick, oh, I like bingo. I think I'll play bingo. And, oh, I like tic-tac-toe, and I'll play tic-tac-toe. No, 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 people. That's all wrong. Don't You don't care what the name of the game is called. You don't care what kind of game it is, tic-tac-toe, bingo, whatever. That has nothing to do with it. Who cares about that? What matters is how many tickets are left how what the what the grand prize is on that particular game and so forth. Now I will I I do explain in my book in the in the 
chapter that talks about scratch tickets, how to determine which scratch ticket game to play. But here's the thing. Once you've done that, instead of, let's say you're going to spend $20, and you're going to buy 10 $2 tickets, okay? Instead of spreading that 10 tickets over two or three or four different games, pick one game, buy all 10 tickets in the same game, 10 tickets in a row. If you do that, almost every single time you are going to find at least one, if not two, and sometimes even three winners in that stretch of 10 tickets. Wow. Most people do it the other way. They'll buy, like I said, one of these, three of these, two of these, whatever it is. They scratch them all, and they're all losers. Because, again, you're shooting in the dark. If you buy 10 tickets in a row of one game, you are now increasing your chances of winning the lottery. And you will almost every single time find one, if not two, maybe even three winning tickets in that stretch of 10 tickets. Awesome. Now, by 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 winning, you mean qualifying winning. That could mean the most amount of ten, twenty, fifty dollars and up. Oh yeah, it could be another free ticket. It could be five dollars. It could be fifty bucks. It could be a hundred dollars. So let's say you spent, and let's look at that. Let's look at a realistic scenario. You 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 spent twenty dollars. You bought ten two dollar tickets in a row, and you found two winning tickets in there, and they were each five dollar tickets. So you won ten bucks. Well, so you lost ten dollars because you spent twenty. But doing it the other way, almost all the time, you would have lost all twenty dollars. So you're doing it because you're trying to increase your chances of winning. So you just did. You found two winning tickets. Now you're not go- you're not going after the five dollar wins, the ten dollar wins, the fifty dollar wins, the hundred dollar wins. What you're trying to find is the grand prizes. Whatever it is in that game, if it's $100,000, that's what you're trying to find. Well, the only way you're going to find those tickets is by increasing your chances. So by buying 10 tickets in a row of one game, you're increasing your chances. You you have a better shot at finding the big money tickets, the grand prize winning ticket in that group of tickets than doing it the other way. The other way, you're just, like I said, again, you're just throwing your money away. Oh, okay. And that does make sense. We wouldn't do that <laughs> with anything else. Uh, no, of course not. Awesome. Anything else? Any more you have to share? Well, again, you know, as as you said a minute ago, I, you know, you can't give too much of it away. You know, exactly. uh, I want to. I, I always try to share, like I said, at least something that the listeners can use, whether they go to my website or not, which again is winninglotterymethod.com, whether they go to my website or not, and whether they buy the book or not, I like to at least give out a couple of things that helps people. So keeping your losing tickets, again, is very important. At the end of the year, let your accountant know how much you won, how much taxes are taken out, and how much you have in losing tickets, and he can tell you whether or not it's worth um, – getting it back or not. I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, and this is all fact. I mean, I don't, everything I say is the truth. I don't lie. I'm not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes because, you know, I hate that when people do that to me. You know, if I told, as an example, if I told people right now, buy my book and I guarantee you're going to win a grand prize, I would be lying through my teeth. And if people yes. believed me, they would be foolish. Okay? So I don't do that. What I do tell people is if you follow my method, you will 
learn how to increase your chances of winning. So, again, everything that I'm telling people is to help them increase their chances and help them put more money in their pockets. And, I, and as I started to say as an example, I just won that, that the, my last grand prize was in August, okay? It was, mm-hmm. That one was $98,000, right? Wow. The government, the, the, the lottery office took out 28%, which was about 27000 something like that, whatever it was, 26000 and change, is what they took out before they gave me my money. I filed my taxes. I reported my losing ticket amount of what I had, and I just got my refund back from the IRS about a week or two ago, and I got back almost $25,000 of the money they took out. Wow. And the one before that, win number six, that was for seventy three thousand and change. I they took out eighteen thousand dollars, and when I got my, when I filed my taxes and reported my losing tickets, I got back seventeen of the eighteen thousand. So it works, but you gotta, you need an accountant to tell you whether you have whether you won enough, had enough taken out, and you have enough losing tickets. So. When I tell people those things, that that is real stuff. Again, the same thing with the buying the 10 tickets in a row. That is real stuff. That really does increase your chances of winning. Does it guarantee you're going to find a grand prize? No, it doesn't guarantee you're going to find a grand prize. I hope you do. Believe me, I love to hear from people who are following my method and are winning. I love it when they send me emails and stuff because that makes me feel good that people are winning from my method, let's face it, times are so tough right now. The economy yeah, exactly. is in the toilet. It's been that way for two, three years. So people are looking for something, something to save their financial life. You know, they're losing their jobs. They're losing their homes. They're in debt up to their eyeballs. Maybe this method is the thing that will save them. I don't know if it will or not. Hopefully it does. Now, uh, give your website out one more time. And, uh, before you, before you do that, okay. Uh, now go ahead and do that. Go ahead. Go All ahead. right. It's it's www. Obviously, winninglotterymethod.com. Winninglotterymethod.com. Now I'm sure most of my listeners are going to do what I did. I googled. I just googled winning lottery, and it came up with a whole slew of things. And, uh, uh, and again, we want to direct traffic to you. Uh. Tell them uh, the difference between all these other other sites that they may come if they just Google winning lottery method or something like that. What's the difference between your site, your method, your book, and all the other stuff that's out there? That's great. I'm glad you brought that up. I've had people say to me, Richard, $40 for your book? Come on. That's that's a lot of money. I, I've gone on the Internet, and I've found people who are selling lottery methods and lottery systems for nine ninety five and nineteen ninety five and blah 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 and I say, you know what? It's like anything in life. You get what you pay for. Now, again, I tell people, don't just believe me. Check me out. Go to the Florida lottery website and check me out and verify that I have won seven lottery game grand prizes. And you will find it to be true. Now do the same thing with some of these other people out there selling these books that they claim will guarantee you win the, the lottery or help you win the lottery or whatever. And you, if you check these people out and research them, you will find out that almost every single one of those people out there that are selling these other books have never won 
a grand prize. How can they be selling a book, a system, a method, whatever they want to call it, how could they be selling this to people, claiming it will teach them how to win when they've never won themselves? Now, I got to admit, there are a couple of them out there, only two, one or two, as far as I think, as know, that have won, that are selling a book and they've won a grand prize, but they've only won like once or twice. I've won seven times. Now, Lorenzo, if I needed brain surgery and I only had two doctors that I could choose from, that was it. That's my only choices. Two brain doctors to, to, to give me brain surgery. One of them has either never want, done a brain surgery before or has maybe only done one or two. And the other guy has done seven <laughs> successful brain surgeries. Who am I going to use? You're going to use the successful one, the seven. The That's one exactly two. right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, there are people out there, but, you know, it's the old saying, buyer beware. Yeah. Here's what I want to do for your, for your listeners, Lorenzo. All right. Here's what I'm going to do for your listeners. If they choose to buy my book, if they go to my website, again, winninglotterymethod.com, and they buy my book, oh, and by the way, by request, I've had many people ask me if my book was in Spanish. So what we've done is we've now, we now offer my method printed in Spanish for those people who want it in Spanish, okay? So they can buy it in English or they can buy it in Spanish. But if they go to my website and buy my method, on my, when they click on the website, the home page, if they scroll down a little bit, they're going to see a place where you can sign our guest book. And part of signing the guest book, it asks you the question, how did you hear about my method? And okay. if they put in there, I heard you on Lorenzo Neal's show, okay, Pastor Neal's show, if they put that in there, if they buy the book and they fill out the, the, the guest book and answer that question and tell me they heard me on your show, the first five people that do that, I will not only send them their book, I will include with their book a Florida lottery scratch ticket that will give them a chance to win $5,000. Well, wait, say that again? If your listeners go to my website, winninglotterymethod.com, and buy my book and sign the guest book that's on the website page, and they answer the question, how did you hear about my method? And they put in there, I heard you on Pastor Neil's show. The first five people that do that, I will include with their book purchase a Florida lottery scratch ticket, which is going to give them a chance to win $5,000. Awesome. And uh, are there any, is there any other way that they could order your book? Uh, is it exclusively sold on your website, or is there any other way? Oh, no. They can, the all the major retailers are carrying my book on their websites. They're not carrying them in the stores yet, but, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm on... Uh, AuthorHouse.com, which is my publishing company. I'm on Amazon, Borders, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Oh yeah, I'm on all the major bookstore sites. I will tell that your folks though, if they buy their book directly from me on my website, they'll get it a lot faster. Because sometimes these other sites they're out of stock, so they got to wait for, for more to be shipped to them or whatever. But if they buy it from me, the moment we get their order. There's two basic ways to purchase it directly from me. Either they click on the Buy Now button and it does, it, you use a credit card that goes through PayPal, or they can mail in a cashier's check or a money order. 
and there's the addresses on the website. Either way, the moment we get uh, we get confirmation from PayPal that they've paid, or we get their their checker money or their cashier's checker money order in the mail, their book gets mailed out to them the very next day. So they'll get their book a lot quicker from me. But yes, it is also available on almost all major bookstores websites. Awesome. Richard, I uh, man, I appreciate you for being on this show and sharing this great information. Uh, uh, I, and I, again, uh, to my audience, I want to listen. I want to say I'm not endorsing any, you know, um, uh, this are his viewpoints. Uh, this is his strategy. Uh, this is my way of helping you, uh, empowering you, the listener, as we, uh, this is purpose of our show, empowering you, the listener. And uh, everybody wants some money. <laughs> Would you That's agree? That's true. And uh, you know, I, you know, I'm not endorsing it or anything like that. But uh, for those of you who want to increase your chances, uh, uh, he seems to have a system that works, and uh, you should order his book, uh, "How to Increase Your Chances of Winning the Lottery." You should visit his website. Uh, uh, again, winninglotterymethod.com. Get that, get the information, and especially uh, those of you, he's giving away stuff. The first <laughs> don't turn people, away, absolutely. Don't turn away free stuff. No. Because <laughs> if you lose on the lottery, you shouldn't lose then. Uh, you might lose in the Louisiana lottery, uh, Texas lottery, wherever else. You might lose, but I, <laughs> hey, but you, you get something else that just may help you out. Well, Richard, Every little bit helps. Every Believe me, I know every little bit helps. <laughs> um, we I appreciate you for joining us again. Visit his website, uh, Winning Lottery Method. Order his book. Uh, find out, do whatever you want to, or whatever you can to increase your chances. Richard, thank you, man. You have a blessed day. I appreciate you for being on the show. Lorenzo, thank you very much for having me on, and let's do it again when I win number eight. I'll be looking forward to it because I'll probably right, try to win myself. Samuel Green, Supervisor Phyllis N. Green, and the 12th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church invite you to join them at Holy Convocation and Pastors Conference 2011, April 6th through the 9th at the Doubletree Hotel in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. This year's theme is Walking in Your Spiritual Authority. Get ready for exciting and excellent preaching, teaching, and singing from some of the premier preachers and workshop presenters and psalmists in the kingdom. Guest preachers include Reverend Dr. Floyd Flake, Bishop Adam J. Richardson, Pastor Jamal H. Bryant, Bishop John R. Bryant, Reverend Jasper Williams, Jr., Dr. Jessica K. Ingram, and Dr. Walter T. Richardson. Special music provided by Psalmist Lowell Pye and the 12th Episcopal District Mass Choir. Workshops include Walking in Your Spiritual Authority, Manifesting your spiritual authority to empower your church and community. And preaching with spiritual authority. And for the youth and young adults, the remix, hip-hop, spirituality, 
and the church. Something for clergy and lay to empower you to walk in your spiritual authority. You don't want to miss Holy Convocation at Pastors Conference 2011. Conference host Bishop Samuel L. Green and Supervisor Phyllis N. Green look to see your face in the place. Register today by calling 501-375-4310 or visit www.12districtame.com to register online. Again, you don't want to miss Holy Convocation and Pastors Conference 2011. All right, guys, uh, we've had an exciting show today uh, with Greg Gray and Richard Lustig, all of them share, both of them sharing uh, information that is liberating, empowering, uh, and, and in the case of Richard, <laughs> uh, bring money to you. What's that preacher, uh, Leroy Thompson, said, money cometh? <laughs> well, this may be a way for money to come to you. So, uh, uh, again, great show. Listen. Uh, those of you who are in uh, the Mississippi and Louisiana area, I want to take the time to invite you to the 8th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Holy Convocation Mid-Year, uh, under the leadership of Bishop Carolyn Tyler Guidry, the 122nd elected and consecrated bishop in the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Edward, Mississippi at Bonner Campbell Religious Institute. You're welcome to come in. It's going to be a wonderful time of workshops, preaching. Uh, uh, our senior bishop, Bishop John R. Bryant, uh, uh, he'll be there. John Bryant, he'll be there, and he'll be uh, preaching the opening night on Friday and on Saturday. Uh, we'll be taking care, taking part in a lot of exciting workshops. So come on down, Edwards, Mississippi to the 8th Episcopal District Mid-Year. Also, I want to put in a plug for my good friend, my brother, Smokey Norfolk. Uh, he has a new album that will be coming out on the 29th of this month. Uh, it will be available in stores everywhere. It's uh, titled Songs That Brought Us Over, uh, featuring the uh, a whole lot of worship songs, uh, songs from back in the day, uh, good old praise melody. Praise medley, uh, communion songs, a lot of great songs. Uh, it's a duet, some songs with his father, uh, uh, Reverend Doctor W. R. Norfolk Senior. Um, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful album, and uh, has some great guests on it, Myron Butler, and it features the 12th Episcopal District A.M.E. Church Mass Choir. Uh, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful album. Again, it should be coming out available soon in every outlet, so I encourage you to go out and support Smokey, uh, Pastor Norfolk, uh, his ministry. Go out and get that. Uh, and, man, I'm telling you, it's a fire show. It's fire. And uh, Next week, we have another exciting show lined up for you next week. It's been uh, March, and we have two young ladies who are going to be on and they're going to be empowering the women uh next week so we, we you you thought this show was good today you need to join next week join in again next week we will have uh Lanisha uh Lisha Williams she is a life coach we'll have Shannon Nelson she's an author author I cannot talk she's an author and uh 
The name of her book is Getting Over Your BS. Before y'all think that <laughs> what it is, it is not what you think it is. But uh, they're going to be joining us next week if the Lord wills. And we're inviting you. Tune in again next week, same time, 6 o'clock, as we uh, sow seeds of wisdom, knowledge, and insight. And we're empowering you to be an uh, uh, impactor in the world around you. Going to close out uh, this song here. It's a debut single by one of my brothers in the ministry, one of my friends, uh, Jason Williams. This song is called J- uh, For the Glory. And uh, we're closing out. Again, we want you to join in next week uh, for, uh, again, with Zero Today. And if you uh, if you miss a broadcast today, you can always catch an uh, archived broadcast of the show. So whatever you do, join in. We'll see you this time next week. Thank you. God bless you. The karma, but I know that it is real. Cause in the middle of all of the drama, no one understands how you feel. Some folks call this reason, some folks call it fate. Let them say what they say. This one's for the glory. Living life on a baby Don't lose the faith, baby This one's for the glory This is for the glory This is for the glory Oh yeah This is for the glory This is for the glory of you I see through the troubles Purpose, truth, clear When it's hot enough to bubble Know I'm coming out of here I will be They problems, how they can't pay their bills Feeling down in their body and they rest ain't sound Popping pills in the morning, keeps the DP down How the doctor with the diagnosis gave the family final notice Cause when it's freezing at the coldest, it's for the glory You gotta know it's for the glory, it's for the glory You gotta know it's for the glory, it's for, for the glory In the world, living life on a baby. Don't lose the faith, baby. This one's for the glory. Ooh, this is for the glory. This for the glory. Oh, yeah. This is for the glory of you. This is for the glory of you. This is for the glory of you. This is for the glory of you.